Hi, Nick. Hi, Caleb. I'm hungry. Oh, no. What are you going to eat? Well, I've been thinking about all my options. I want you to have whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. And I want you to be secure. Well, I don't want anything healthy today. I want only oh, fast yeah. food. So Junk I'm it up. trying to narrow down my options. What okay. fast food places should I go to? Well, there's um the there's that king of sandwiches. There's the yeah the sandwich king yeah there's the sandwich king I love that place um there's the they've got really really you know the funny thing about the sandwich king some they've yeah. got amazing milkshakes there some people like McDonald's but I personally prefer Window Donalds because I'm an old school computer user mm-hmm. who needs my DLLs yeah you know I'm one of those people that still I still go to Window Donalds ninety eight. Yeah. There's like something about it. There's a classic about it. Like I like the look. I like the feeling. They really made fast food restaurants to last back then. Right. Out of materials that like should have been illegal, but will last forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pulled straight from an alien race. Okay. Well, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something somewhere where I can get like, uh, I can get some burgers. I need good burgers. Right around the corner, there's, there's Bendy's, Mm -hmm. which is the lady and she's, she's got her arms like curled up in the air. Yes. They they use, they actually use Betty Spaghetti as their uh, mascot now. Yeah. And I love them. Like, they're very good. Well, I mean, and they say, welcome to Bendy's. It's so cute they, when yeah, they do it. It's, it's so funny. And they do have, like, pretty surprisingly good salads. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Bendy's. I just, welcome, I'm, like, addicted to it. Welcome to Bendy's. It's so sweet. They all yell it. And when you're in there, there's a rule that you can't actually eat in unless you're willing to yell that whenever anybody new exactly. comes Exactly. Yeah. And in the, so I, every time you walk in, it's like, welcome to Bendy's. Everybody's doing it. And the mm-hmm. one person doesn't, and all the heads swivel simultaneously to face the offender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that going to do it? You want me to run Exit across this? Bendy's. Do you want me to run across the street and get you a Bendy burger? Nah, Bendy's is kind of intense for me. I okay. want something. I want somewhere where I can get like a slushy or something. You are <laughs> trying. <laughs> <laughs> you are trying everyone's patience right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't think of where to go though. <laughs> um I think it's you... time to run the theme song. <laughs> I knew this day would come. <laughs> I've been dreading it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Your Two Show. Hi. Welcome, everybody. My name's Nick. I'm Caleb. And thank you for joining us on our very special Sonic the Hedgehog fan cast. Today, we watched Sonic Sat AM episode five, which is called Supersonic, a downgrade from episode three, which, which was, was Ultra Sonic. Now, you consider to be ultra lesser than super. I do indeed. And you're correct in that regard. I am 100% <laughs> correct. I mean... <laughs> Listen, Superman, yeah. worse than Ultraman. Absolutely. Obvious. Not anywhere near as big. Mm-hmm. Not- I love the way Ultraman gets bigger. I like it when a man gets bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Same. Is that, do we have to bleep that whole conversation? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, what are other super things that are not as good as the Ultra things? Digivolutions? Digivolutions, I think, is mm-hmm. better than Super. 
I think soup, right? Like I think ultra. Uh, I think ultra Gururu cactus is is better than super Gururu. Cactus. Oh, okay. I like it. I like the I, I like the picture of the cactuar with a butt. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good. I one. like the Final Fantasy cactus butt. Not sure exactly how we got there, but it's a good. That is <laughs> well, a good you said picture. Ultra cactus mon, and I'm you know, <laughs> I think I might be thinking a little bit too much about bodies today. <laughs> I, because did you ever watch Digimon actually? No, just a little bit. Not enough. Oh, okay. Not enough to you know. Not enough to converse like academically. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But please c- keep going. You were doing a wonderful segue. Well, I was thinking a lot about bodies because of all the different displays of body types in this particular episode. Okay, go on. I well, at one point, Eggman shows his teeth very big, and uh-huh. Eggman's teeth are something special for me now. That's my favorite body type is is teeth. Is Eggman's teeth. Okay. <laughs> my, I remember in the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog when Eggman bit down really hard and all his teeth shattered yes. and it was very gruesome and, <laughs> and terrible. And in this one, um, the people who were drawing this episode loved the little chicken uh-huh. and they loved Eggman's mouth. Yes. They like to put the chicken near the mouth <laughs> so you can see both at the so same time. So you can time. see both at the same time. <laughs> and sometimes the teeth are very big and very round and they are in themselves eggs. There's a shot and we tweeted it last yeah. Wednesday, so check it out. There's a shot of Eggman's teeth behind the chicken, but the teeth themselves look like eggs. Like they're big enough and rounded. It it's, looks like he's got a full mouth, like a mouth 100% full of eggs. Like a baker's dozen of his namesake in the in the mouth area. Which okay, hey, that would explain why they were so easy to crack. Oh, they really are eggs. He's got, he's, okay. He's got if a mouth 100% full of eggs. He doesn't have human teeth because mm-hmm. those don't tend to crack into a bunch of pieces when you just chomp down one time. Yeah, then they're also very, they're notoriously difficult to replace. Yeah, exactly. But, but he's able to crack, discard, put another set in. Mm-hmm. The only the, other person in history that's been able to do that was George Washington. That George Washington loved mm-hmm. his egg That's teeth. why they called him George Shark Washington. He just kept growing teeth. The thing is that happened in this episode also <laughs> is that um, we got to see a very old person yes. in a potato bag. Mm-hmm. Um, a sleeping beauty. A sleeping elder beauty. Maybe it's time for the recap. Well, the other thing is that I wanted to say is that <laughs> um, I did... Th- okay, just a recap and we'll talk more about bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Look out when he storms through Sonic the Hedgehog Don't doubt what he can do Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic So, Nicole is malfunctioning. They're trying to fix the water wheel and knot hole, so they decide they need to find a chip for Nicole that can be found at one of Robotnik's factories. Yes, she self-diagnoses, and Caleb asks me, how can you trust a robot to tell you what's broken if it's broken? Mm-hmm. But, hey, I can go to the doctor. Well, yeah, but it would be different <laughs> if it was an AI, but she's clearly not a Whoa! Full AI. All right, we'll get back to that. <laughs> I No, I would love for Nicole to mm-hmm. be, but it's she doesn't, actually, she doesn't ever speak... She seems herself. more like a Siri and not like a person. Yeah, exactly. Mm. The uh, but that but, said, that said, well, it's like it's like it's like when your computer tells you you have a you have a virus. Right. Almost always, that's a lie. That's because true. When your computer says I have a virus, it's usually a virus talking. Right. And when your when your tricorder says I need a bag of potato chips, you're like, no, you don't. You're just trying to eat. stop eating my snacks. You just want me to put potato chips in your regular chips so that you'll break. Yeah, and I, I don't. No, I'm not gonna break you. No. So they have to go to Robotics Factory to yes. find tiny chips that they can replace in Nicole. Yes. Because apparently her chips are just like busted or malfunctioning. Yeah. Whatever's wrong with them, they need a new one. While they are there. Uh, they stumble upon the Forbidden Zone. Mm -hmm. This happens to just be a segue for what Eggman's doing because we see Sally run into the Forbidden Zone and we see the Guardian 
of the Forbidden Zone. The who, guest appearance by Reaper from Overwatch. It really is just absolutely <laughs> Reaper from Overwatch. It's just a like metallic skull yeah. inside of a dark cloak. Yes. The Guardian approaches Sally, squeezes her in between it and a robot, but then the Guardian kills the robot and not her for uh, some reason, huh? and then she turns around and leaves. Yeah. This is confusing because a second later, Snively, after doing research on the Forbidden Zone, uncovers that the Guardian is the guardian of an ancient evil wizard. And that currently, the evil wizard is waiting for someone evil enough to come and release him from his sleep. I'd like to stipulate that he that Snively said he's looking for someone vile enough. And... Yeah, sorry, anagrams. And vile is evil with the E at the end. Yeah. And, as we will find out... Lazar the wizard flips all of his uh, sentence structures around. Oh, that is funny. And I yeah. can't imagine that's a real joke, but it is something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uses a V-I-L-E rhyme scheme. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry about that joke. So, uh, Robotnik decides, oh, I'm vile enough, because Snively pumps him up. Snively, his cousin or nephew, just uh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. uh, is so down for Eggman, thinks he's so evil, gives him a sassy little point and is like, that's you, sir. <laughs> you are really vile enough. Snively really perks up in this episode. Re- I kind of yeah. liked him a lot better all of a sudden. Yeah, their characters, every episode we get a, like a little blossom yes. of an actual character. Like, mm-hmm. last episode was Pierre. <laughs> Wow. What is his name? Uh, the dog. What's um, the dog's name? Do you remember when we used to only have to remember the name of four characters? I the, We honestly spend more time on this podcast just trying to remember who the heck we are talking about There's and so what all characters. their dang names are. Oh, oh Antoine. Antoine. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, we, we did bad in about four different ways just now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Antoine... Got it. Got some character boost last episode. Yes. This episode we saw a little more of Snively. Yeah, that's right. And in a sequence when where Eggman is repeatedly petting his bird's beak by just like slapping it with a little metallic clang He's over and over, slapping it away from his body, rhythmically, in a way that is very aggressive. It reminded me of like I don't know if you ever talked to somebody who blinks in rhythm. Like there are people who uh-huh. do that sometimes, or when uh-huh. they get nervous or something, and they blink in rhythm, and it can be very distracting because there's like a beat to it. Or it's like if somebody is smoking a cigar and they keep tapping the end of the cigar. Rhythmically to smack ash onto the ground And (laughs) it looks like a beak but it's that Or like when you're trying to have a conversation with someone And they keep clapping in your ears Rhythmically just like happens to me like once or twice A day Customer service Talk about vile So Eggman is repeatedly patting the beak of this bird while he's talking to the Guardian who he has summoned. The yes. Guardian is like, why have you summoned me? Should he- I just kill you? Yeah. And Eggman's like, no, 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 no. I'm evil. Your master's evil. Let's work something out. <laughs> and- I really think we have a lot in common. <laughs> and the Guardian's like, I see that. Yeah, I definitely think you do have a lot in common. Yeah, but the Guardian seems to know more than he lets on. And when, yeah. when Eggman says that, he gives him a real look like, hmm. I can see that. Like, yeah, he's got another plan, which doesn't necessarily ever come to fruition as far as I can tell, except that he does seem the Guardian does seem to help Sonic as it goes on. Yes. So what happens is he tells Eggman, you have to go to this place by yourself because you're the only one evil enough that the temple or whatever will let you in. Specifically says your metal heart is the only thing evil enough to survive the trials or whatever. Right. And if this was a J.R.R. Tolkien uh-huh. book, it would literally mean his, his heart was the he, only thing allowed inside. I really wanted him to go in and have his like a whole body evaporated and all that's left is a heart. And then we just see the beating heart for about 30 seconds and then the credits roll. And then, and then, no, well, then the entire Sonic team would be like, 
Eggman's dead? Eggman's dead. <laughs> what if every episode of this show ended with Eggman dying, apparently? And them all it's being the, like, he's dead. It's the <laughs> Wow. Wow, this show invented South Park too? And then <laughs> but Bunny Rabbit's like, y'all, he's dead. And Sonic's like, I guess. <laughs> And that's, yeah, that would be the, that's the beat of every single, but, the final beat of all the episodes. And that's why it never shows them celebrating, because they know. <laughs> well, Eggman might have a lot of clones, right? Like, a lot of robot clones. Whoa, if Eggman is actually fully roboticized, yeah. there's no reason why he's trapped in one form. So if they, that could explain why they weren't so excited, because they know, is he dead? And it's like, well. And it's like, well, yeah, but. But there's more. Right. So... The temple itself that the the wizard laser Lazar 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 like Lazarus, mm-hmm. which is oh my god, that's a, that's on purpose. Yes, it absolutely is. Yeah. So the wizard Lazar, as in Lazarus, yeah. is asleep. He's and inside also a- lazy boy. Been asleep for hundreds of years. Well, that's where the word lazy came Wake from. Wake up, baby. The word lazy is actually a biblical for Lazarus. Wake up, lazy baby. <laughs> that's that's a quote of Jesus's. Jesus is here. <laughs> I love Jesus Christ Superstar. I like it when Jesus walks in and he gives Lazarus a little kiss on the cheek and Lazarus wakes up and they sing a song together with birds. (laughs) Wake up, lazy baby, because Jesus is here. Smooch, smooch. (laughs) So, Lazarus, awakening, a kiss for ye, a kiss for me. (laughs) I really like this slash fic that we've written. (laughs) Let us... (laughs) <laughs> Let us proceed. Wait. <laughs> I'm putting down the slash fic. I'm I'm closing a thick metal door Wait. and I'm turning the combination lock so that I can't get back in. There. Wake up, Lazarus! You haven't held me for three days. <laughs> the temple itself looks like uh, it looks like Jabu Jabu kind of like yeah. a robot version of Jabu Jabu from oh, Zelda, yeah. like a big fish mouth, like a big fish mouth, but it also looks sort of insectoid. Yeah. And depending on its scale, because it does shrink up and down a couple times. We never get a good enough establishing shot to really understand what it is. It's a really complicated drawing. Yeah. <laughs> but it has, like, definitely over-designed. It is on a, like, Swiss cheese surface. Mm-hmm. Like, Full of, like, bubbly... A lot of bubbly pits. Kind of like if, kind of like a, a sulfur pit. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. A, a sulfur Swiss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A big, a big slice of sulfuric cheese. Mm-hmm. And the giant robot fish is sitting on it and has a big mouth door yeah and robotnik tests by sending one of his robots in he's like let's see what'll happen if i send you in here and it's like excuse me eggman he just said go alone mm-hmm. i think because but i think robotnik interpreted that yeah. as anyone you bring will die right so robotnik was like okay let's see what happens if i if that's true yeah if i really am the most evil that's really what he was trying to test was whether he was Tr- whether he was really ev- so evil okay, or if right. anybody if anybody just waltz right in if yeah he, okay and alternately my read on that was that he doesn't consider robots to be people yeah and so he's just like bringing a screwdriver into the building right mm-hmm. it's like just tr- like throwing the throwing screwdriver. the screwdriver into the into the the laser pit and seeing if it gets incinerated and it does but yes. you didn't kill anyone quote unquote so the swap bot walks in the mouth slams down and squishes it yeah robotnik's like <laughs> exactly as planned and he walks inside and nothing happens to him right. he's safe he gets in and he finds lazar and Lazar's crystal computer, which is a spell book that's digitized, basically. Yes. A crystal is apparently the what the computer is inside of. Like, it has yeah. 
I've, I love, like, yeah, I love when advanced technology looks like crystals. I love that Amazing. too. It looks like an amethyst time bomb. Yes, like yeah. A, like a, or like an emerald time bomb, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a prism that tapers yes. to triangles on either side, mm-hmm. and it, but around the middle, it has like a computer belt. Yeah. Like what might be exploding uh, a stick on the inside, but yeah. instead you press it and it makes a submission spell. Mm-hmm. It makes all sorts of spells. All it kinds of spells. A long, long list of things. Yes. But he looks at Lazar, who's just like an old human wizard man, like something from the Smurfs. Uh-huh. He's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's... It is... I can't overstate how bizarre it is to see this man. Yeah, I like... <laughs> It's he's in bad. he's it's in a, a snow drawing. white he's in a snow white style casket yes and he's just like laying there with his really really it really looks like he's from a fantasy TV it's show David Cage is too human <laughs> or whatever right like he's too much of a human he's <laughs> so human and he's but he's except that he's got a really really long beard yeah so, but he's asleep Lazar's just chilling. Robotnik takes the crystal and is like, sleep well, my boy. I really wanted, like, one of his eyes to pop open and, like, kind of, like, got you. Mm. But he doesn't. He's really asleep. He's 100% asleep. Yep. But apparently soon after Robotnik takes the crystal, he wakes up. Because yes. Robotnik leaves uh, and Sonic and it starts goes the inside. party. Like, the lights come on the top. And it's not, like, an alarm. It's not really whatever. But as soon as he touches the crystal computer, lights come on on the inside. And yeah. Waving back and forth. The party is going. Yeah. Lazarus has been waiting for the party of the century made by the evilest man alive. <laughs> so, Sonic, I don't even remember exactly why Sonic decides to go in there. Oh, uh, uh no, I was about to remember it and then I didn't remember I it. I can't remember whether they're still looking for a Nicole part, no. which is something that doesn't come back at all. Stop. Well, Steady. because she found it. She found it. She does? She got she oh, she see, picked up the chip okay. during the ch- chase scene at the beginning. She picks up the chip and then while she's running away from robots, that's how she that's how she ends up. But it doesn't come back. Like they don't talk to Nicole again. Yeah, they, they don't, don't fix see, it. Like yeah. there are too many loose ends mm-hmm. in this cartoon for me. And that's it's, fine, whatever. But Sonic goes in there. Yes, and oh, he Sonic's like following he, Eggman. He's so following he, right. he goes in to see what's going on. He runs past the like laser pentagram on the ground. Yes. He goes into the chamber where Lazarus was. Right. And L- Lazar, yeah, and Lazar is no longer asleep. Lazar's gone. Lazar us. Lazar. <laughs> Welcome to Lazar us. <laughs> we've got sleep potions. We got we've got really good pillows, glass it be, caskets. It would be like a home goods store. Yeah, it would exactly. have like yeah. pillows and, and it's like la- it's like sheets. a it's like an off brand lazy boy, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> somewhere Lazarus. between <laughs> the Lazarus chairs. Welcome to. Uh, welcome Lazarus. to Lazarus. How uh, how bad do you want to sleep and for how long? <laughs> <laughs> we got a century-long glass casket. I got a 500-year glass casket. That's actually it's like a sapphire exterior. It's really durable. For the next 15 minutes, we're running our Rumple Still Skin don't, Special. Don't sleep on these deals. <laughs> Would you like to wake up in a future you do not recognize, surrounded by people you do not know? We can provide that for you. We make no guarantees that the future will be habitable or hospitable, but you will wake up so refreshed. (laughs) And with a beard down to here. (laughs) Welcome to Lazarus. We'll give you a beard down to here. That's what we say. Hey, if you want to get a smooch eventually, sleep in one of these... If you if you do not have a lot of money, we have a process by which, like me, you can ru- do a 15-minute shift every 45 years. It's called Lazaway. <laughs> you can put the product on Lazaway. 
<laughs> if you came upon an old man in a glass casket, mm-hmm. would you kiss him? <laughs> like, yes. I mean, would you, like, if you came upon a Sleeping Beauty scenario, would you But be like, it was like an old man? Oh, I mean, anybody, but let's say it's this old man. Okay. If it this was this old man, old man, he needs one kiss upon his delicate tongue. <laughs> I think if it was this old man, no. Were it to look like a prince or princess? Yeah. For sure. If you came in on a preserved prince or princess, yeah. you'd be like, oh, snap, the chosen one has arrived. Yeah. I'd what if like, that's how you found out you were the chosen one? You just like <laughs> accidentally went, you tried to, you were trying to go to the bathroom in, in the Lazar Us, uh-huh. and then you opened the wrong door and there's somebody asleep in a casket. And you're like, oh, snap, I'm about to save the day. <laughs> I think that's how Futurama started. And <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for uh, the people listening to this episode that don't have our exact cultural background. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for all the people who've never seen Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> it's Snow White, nerd. Whatever. I don't. Okay. I guess I don't have our specific Sleeping, cultural ground. Sleeping Beauty's also one. That's true. But Snow White is the glass case, right? Oh, Snow White's the kissing one? It's the glass. Well, they're both kissing ones. Well, but Snow White is the glass who case. Who kisses the dwarves? Why, Grumpy, you do care. So, this recap is going great. Okay. (laughs) Lazar reveals that he was evil, but he went to sleep and he dreamed for a long time. He thought for a long time and decided actually he didn't want to be evil anymore. He regrets the evil. He regrets the evil. I love that part. It's really nice. And it also, I love, I always love the implication that anyone given enough time to think will decide that they were actually not evil. And that they have been bad to it. Yeah. Like reflection reveals your own flaws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. And so Lazar says, I want Robotnik to stop casting spells with my device. Yes. My device itself is evil. I am not, but this thing has so much evil in it. Yep. So Sonic says, all right, I'll go do it. I'll stop him. And Lazar takes his speed. He says, I'll give you your speed back after you keep your promise and stop Eggman. And Sonic looks as distressed as maybe he's ever looked. Sonic is like, well, how am I supposed to do this without my speed? And Lazar says, you got a brain. Use it. I'm going to correct you. He says, brain you have. Use it, you must. <laughs> because he's a very bad Yoda. He's a real bad Yoda. <laughs> He's Gilgamesh. Is it Gilgamesh? Is that the name of him? Yoda. Which Gilgamesh one? Yoda, sure. Is Gilgamesh the one from Smurfs? Ga- Galmador. Gam- Gam- Gal- Gam- Jamjar. Gamjar. Jam- Gimme. Gam- Gamguy. Um, ga- oh, wow. Jamjar. Jamjar from, Smurf- from Smurf World. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yes. Gilgamesh, Jamjar, Smurf World. Who, Gil- who is Gilgamesh for real? Gilgamesh is um, a Babylonian god, I think. Hmm. From one of the one of the ancient Sumerian tablet kind of guys, hmm. Gargamel is Gargamel. the Smurf one. So he's <laughs> he's like Gargamel meets Yoda. Yeah, and it's not the best look. No, but Sonic looks so upset that he's being asked to use his brain, but he decides to do it. And the thing that really like Sonic's brain appears to be made of mm-hmm. is bombs. Yeah, the only display of his intelligence in the entire episode. He's asked to use his brain. <laughs> He starts down some stairs. He's mm-hmm. being chased by SWAT butts. 
and he puts a big spiky bomb on the staircase and then just jogs down the stairs at regular speed. It blows up, traps the SWAT bots, and he's like, guess I got a brain after all. And then he's teleported into the room. Yeah. because Then he so, grabs the computer. It's so smart of you to blow something up. It's <laughs> so so clever. Oh, very tactical. It, was, um, yeah, it wasn't even like a specific blow up. He puts it in the middle of the stairs where anyone would see it. I guess he got the timing right. <laughs> it just but blew it, up a whole staircase. Let's return earlier to where Sonic is... Um, where Sally is trying to tell Sonic what to do. And she's like, Sonic, pay attention. And he says... 30 seconds is my limit. No, she says, Sonic, be, can you be serious for a minute? Okay, right. He says, She says, can yes. you be serious for one minute? And he says, 30 the, seconds the, is my limit. Yeah, which is good. I like, good. I like that, that mm. little character moment. I and, wonder if that's in the design document for, for the Sonic uh, Sat AM show. It's right. like, when writing scripts about Sonic the Hedgehog, he can only be serious for maximum 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and it's usually not that long. I mm-hmm. mean, they... Uh, that's a that is his like upper maximum. Okay, I, like, I want to wrap it up. Okay, so, sorry, sorry. So he successfully he he gets the crystal back. He saves Bunny Rabbot and Sally, who have both been put under a spell and held against their will and uh-huh. made to be subservient, as roboticization would also do. Yeah, we're coming it's, back to that. He basically just does the same thing. Yeah. Then, given given an entire index of magic spells, Eggman chooses teleport people to me. And make them robots, basically. The same stuff he's been doing. It's the same thing! He has a whole... He, like, the thing lists so many different possible things he can do. And Alphabetically. He just does, yeah. And all he does is go, okay, I want the one that my robots could do when they capture something and bring it. And then I want the thing that my machine can do when it just makes people do what I want. That is the wildest thing. But that's what he does. He, tr- he, he teleports Sally and Bunny to him, turns them into um, ass- assistants... Uh, and then teleports Sonic into the room, gets them to grab him, but he gets away, grabs the computer, wakes them up, and then they escape? Yeah, so then they escape, they give the crystal back to Lazar, right. and they're like, why don't you just destroy it? And he's like, if I destroyed it, the evil would go into the world. And it's right. like, uh, okay. I'm not, I kind of like that idea. I think it's an interesting idea. Um, that you just have to like... That he's he has trapped and coalesced some like evil spirits or whatever's going on in the magic of this world. Yeah. And that like... That's a bad thing. Yeah. Like almost a Ghostbuster scenario. Oh, I, yeah. I have a story idea that I've worked on before that is based like kind of along those lines that I got a little excited thinking about, but I'm not going to go into that right now. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I kind of like that idea. Like he's like, no, this is a bad object I have. Yeah. So I'm not going to destroy it. it I'm going to go and hide it somewhere else. It's my job it to away. protect it with Reaper. Right. And and uh, me and me and Reaper are going to go, you know, it's been, we've been asleep for a while. So mm-hmm. we're going to go to the Bahamas. <laughs> And so they go back into their fish and it shrinks down very, very tiny. Yeah, and then goes into one of the acid pools and is gone. And then, in an interesting metaphorical moment, yes. this is maybe the coolest, weirdest moment of the episode. Absolutely. So they go back to Knothole and the walrus, Rotor. Rotor, he goes, oh my god, I'm so glad you guys are back. Because at the beginning of the episode, they were trying to fix the water wheel. Yeah, and he's talking about if I get a bigger bolt then may, or bigger gear, then I can double the power. Yeah, so he says, oh my god, you guys, you have to see this. Check out the water wheel. Yeah. He doesn't actually show us the water wheel. Right. He flicks a switch, and a light bulb in the room comes a on. A single bulb. And they hover on it for a long time, and they say over it, like, oh my gosh, or Wow, something. good job. And, it, and then it, it goes just, to the credits. It just hovers on that light bulb for like a solid five or ten seconds. Yeah, and, and that's it. And it was very cool. It's art! (laughs) 
in that art. moment, yeah. this episode became complete and total art. Yeah, for real. Wow. There was a lot of stuff in this episode that you could tell the writer thought about. Yeah. Like, th- they finally gave a name to the chicken. And they, like, said cluck several times. To oh, give that's the right. Name to, because I don't think they'd done that in the other no, episodes. right, okay. But they have a couple different characters say cluck. Yeah. They show us the chicken a lot. And they have the chicken, like participating like it tries to stop sally it tries to do like they're yeah. they're characterizing something that's just kind of been in the background yes and then we're given this complication of like oh they've been functioning without technology at all right like, they're so far in the woods and out of this technological sphere like they have nicole they can talk to yes but they're not like literally turning a water wheel with sufficient to generate sufficient power to turn on a light bulb is like a revolution for them. Yeah, they have not had that. And the light bulb is such, especially in context of all this really complicated machinery, Yeah, the light bulb is such a simple, it like pretty thing to see. Yes. To all this like really, really ugly steel plating. And just a simple, the, the simplest uh, uh, like implementation of electricity mm-hmm. that literally changed the world. Like yeah. it changes someone's life uh, unimaginably mm-hmm. to be able to have unlimited light when the sun is not out. Yeah. Like, inside your house, right? That is step one toward, like, the whole technological revolution. Um, we, for them to be so excited about that. Yeah. And to think, okay, so they are obviously way off the power grid, mm-hmm. and they are not able to generate electricity. They don't have solar panels or anything else. Like, whatever the level of technology is, that's, like, a major deal for them. And it draws into focus how big of a deal it was that they managed to make that airplane yeah like they made that airplane without any electricity without any right they had to piece it together by hand 100 percent. yeah and, and it like, looked like a mess but that's what they're working with yeah and its level of ingenuity actually is actually impressive and the fact that their that their technology is kind of dirty and messy but gets it done yeah is cool there's and there's something interesting about like i bet part of the problem is that you can't really like, even when you are scavenging from Robotnik stuff, you yeah. can't really trust any device that's been made yeah. in that whole world. Right. Because there's, like, the possibility of it having spy technology on it yes. or a camera hidden in there or right. something that's transmitting information to Robotnik. Yep. You never know what he's booby-trapped. So I bet even this light bulb is something that they've had to, like, make. Wow, yeah. Like, they're having to, to build all their tools because all the tools that would have previously been available God. in, like, a warfare setting could all theoretically be serving Robotnik. Oh, boy. The Internet of Things. The Internet of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other piece of the like power dynamic in this episode is obviously magic, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm, like, weirded out by the emphasis on ancient magic yeah. in the Sonic universe. Like, Sonic Underground gets into this. Like, mm-hmm. these ancient... Uh, monks that live in the invisible cloud city and all of this mobius is a place of magic right exactly and i don't think of it that way i don't think of that being like the context for for sonic but like um the they in addition to robotnik's technology Mm -hmm. they've just had this massive magic computer crystal yeah and Rather than say, hey, can we have that to, like, fight Robotnik? The question they ask is, why can, Why don't you destroy that? Mm-hmm. And then the answer is, obviously, it's evil. But they all recognize that it's... 
I don't know. It's like, what do you think about there being like they went to the secret scrolls? Yes. To get the ancient power of Mobius. Mm hmm. And then they go and they encounter this magic computer crystal, but are not interested in keeping that. So, and that was something we talked about too, because when they set up Nicole's damage at the beginning, yeah. that we thought, oh, it would be so interesting if Nicole got magic powers. I wanted that so bad. Like if they took this crystal and used it as the replacement for Nicole's broken part yes. or something and fused her with it, then giving Sally access to magic. Uh-huh. That would have been, if this were a book that I was writing, yeah. that would have been what would have happened. That's because like, yeah. that's such a cool skill to give yeah your team like right. now they have access to this like set of magic that they have to learn how to use exactly right. but it would be complicated and it would pull away from sonic like it would distract True. from the fact that he's like the focus yeah. so i get that mm-hmm. like if you had sally suddenly doing magic all the time everybody would she would be way way cooler than sonic is for sure yeah unless it was severely constrained in some way which would also be pro- like yeah hard to explain and hard to rationalize mm-hmm. yeah but sonic is like it seems like the problem here is the mashup right like yeah that the if we're to believe that Mobius used to be Earth, like from Sonic X, mm-hmm. we are looking at a world that went from, like, our world yep. through an adventure time phase. Right, a magic world of animals and spells. Yeah, it, it like, it already had its fun, good adventure time time. Uh-huh. And then somebody took it over, and we're back to, like, a technology world where the magic has been kind of depleted and yeah. trapped. So... This ancient magic is relegated to, like, ruins. Right. But they're not even ruins from, like, way, way back. They're ruins from, like... From, like, the like, second generation of yeah. civilization. But it's also worth noting that that computer... That magic computer was wrapped around a crystal, right? Yes. And, and Robotnik's digging out the giant crystal yeah. for energy. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's obviously a connection there. Like, yes. magic energy isn't... Or the... You know, um, these resources that contain the potential for magic energy are now being used to power technology yes. in a really pollutive, dangerous way. Mm-hmm. And we can assume from the shots of beautiful, verdant Mobius um, that using these crystals for magic was generally good mm-hmm. and generally healthy and, and harmonious, whereas using these crystals for sci-fi robots is destroying the entire planet. Yes. Yeah. And so it stands to reason that, like, the introduction of technology in combination with magic yeah. kicked off what would lead to all the problems that Mobius has right, right now. Yeah. Because you have this evil wizard that apparently did all sorts of stuff. He built this big technological temple that he, like, put himself in forever and yeah. hid. He, based on, like, who knows? Maybe this was the first mashup of this. It could be. But that allows for the bridge that we have trouble with, which is, like... How do you cross the gap of like artificial intelligence? Yeah. How do you see? How do you integrate technology with biology? Like, the technology that Robotnik is using, yeah. could all be magic, like all of it. Right. Like, f- even the roboticizer could be based on a core of magic. Right. So the chaos emeralds, mm-hmm. what they are, is the continued magical fuel to do more of that. Mm. To do more of this magical technology. Mm-hmm. It's not just inventions, and that also could explain why Robotnik isn't actually a genius. Ah. Because it, it could be that he's he has not crossed these like incredibly difficult barriers that we've right. talked about. He has just found a way to harness magic to do impossible things based on ideas or based on uh, building around this energy source that on its own bridges the gaps that we as a society right now can't do. Okay, interesting. Right. So he is an inventor, but right. not it's not necessarily like surprising 
that he isn't like the most perfect, amazing technical mind in the world. Yeah. So he maybe even kind of stumbled into it or is like his, his intent has been magnified out of proportion to his skill. Yeah. Which is exactly what happens to like old white men who inherit a lot of money and are (laughs) suddenly given a lot of power. Yeah, exactly. That they are not prepared to use and can only use for selfish reasons. And just because they're able to then accomplish things, doesn't like accomplish things that appear or visibly are amazing, doesn't mean that they actually like that their qualities necessarily led to that. No. And that's kind of what so I'm trying to think I know there's a story that I've read before or seen where magical objects kind of got dropped and different people found them. Uh Uh-huh. And the implication of, like, some of those people would become bad guys. And some of those people become good guys. Like, what if... This is complete fan theory nonsense. Sure, sure. All right. What if... So, you know, we know the Chaos Emeralds, when they're brought together, split. Yeah. Like the Dragon Balls. Yeah. What if one of these Chaos Emeralds just popped up for Robotnik? Oh. What if he just got a Chaos Emerald? Right. That was the seed that led to his whole empire. And the reason he's continued to try to get more of them is because he connects that to the only reason he has power at all. Interesting. So the Chaos Emeralds, the Chaos Emerald, something that he found by accident that led to him being able to create all this amazing technology and modify himself. Mm -hmm. He's looking for more to expand that power, which is the only thing he even knows how to do. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's a a cool idea. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what the Chaos Emeralds do on their own. Yeah. They do seem... But in this version of the universe a magic crystal appears to be a source of power in and of itself. Yes. And the Chaos Emeralds, presumably as some form of that, although we have not even heard of the Chaos Emeralds in this story Yeah, yet, not in this one. They're probably there later, but who knows? Yeah, we'll find out. Um, but they, they could be particularly potent, like, versions of that, so that you could... Oh, they do. Don't they use a, a Chaos Emerald in Sonic X at some point to, like, power the plane or something? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He they, uses the Chaos Emerald energy to keep the plane going and, it, like, is what lets the plane upgrade. Right, cool. So, the, so the, the, the Emeralds themselves do contain a certain amount of magical energy. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting idea. And, and Sonic X started with the Chaos Emeralds brought together being what... Right. Like, his, his machine malfunctioning with right. the Chaos Emeralds in it is what pulled them oh, right. into a he's, different world. And he's using the Emeralds for that purpose, yes. right? But the, okay, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, this, I like the idea of maybe it being the original reason, like, just chance of him finding yeah. finding one. Yeah. Or, and then having enough knowledge to kind of try it in this certain context. To build something his, around it. His inventions suddenly way more functional than they would have been otherwise they're apparently easy enough to harness that like even tails can do it and tails is a genius but i mean yeah. that it's it's not like it's not something that's like impossible to understand or that you even have to like build a particularly special apparatus for it seems right. like they, this world is powered by like crystal devices or something so you could plug yeah. in a particularly powerful one and it would boost the effect you know in the sonic underground anyway uh the the disappearing city yeah. It was, like, powered by a power crystal. Oh, that's right. Like, it just had a big power crystal. That's right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then I think it's interesting to come back to the, like, water wheel mm-hmm. as a source of, like, clean energy. And the thing we, t- we talked about Niagara Falls a few weeks ago. <laughs> and this, like, uh, y- for them to use, rather than to have, like, built of like, a fire-burning stove or something. Right. They're channeling, like, a, a natural source of like momentum and, and electricity and they're not using a crystal exactly they're not having to deplete natural energy right. they are really overtly we've after seeing all of this seeing this technology and seeing a crystal being used for dark magic yeah they're immediately like we are using water right to make light yeah 
And uh, even their power rings are coming from the water in this way that lines up. That's interesting. Like it, they're flowing down the river somehow. Yeah, we don't, we don't know how they get recharged, but there is a, some connection with maybe a more natural energy. And mm-hmm. I can assume that, that there are techniques that would, again, work harmoniously with a power crystal, mm-hmm. like that temple where you could have a crystal powering something but not deplete it or break it or whatever. Yeah. But that it's clear that at least Robotnik is n- not doing that and right. he doesn't care. Like mm-hmm. he's not trying to, he's trying to maybe extract too much power or burn them too fast or something in a way that, that creates all of this mess. Yeah. We also don't see a lot of, we still have, I don't think we've seen any people other than the robots in this show. Like other than all the main characters we've mentioned, Sonic Underground had casual people everywhere. Oh, you mean incidental, like, yeah, just like incidental people wandering around. Who were still like a, alive. Right. So This is all robots. There was that group of, of rebellion freedom fighters who carried them across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Like, there are more people in the in the resistance. Yes. But as far as, like, in the cities or whatever, yeah, we're not seeing anybody. There, it's just this desolate wasteland. We did see some rats today. Woo! Rat watch is back, baby! <laughs> in the forbidden zone! <laughs> Let us make note that rats live in the forbidden zone. And they, like, they were still goofy looking. They goofed out of the goofed out of the margins, the scene. Uh-huh. And, uh, take, you know, rewind it back to that forbidden zone. As soon as Sally walks through the gate, what do we see? Rats coming out. Boop, 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 boop. Tran- transition rats. Keep an eye on the transition rats. <laughs> so funny that that happened so many times in Sonic Underground and it's just nice to see that you know yeah it's nice to see that back in the day here none of them just like flying away but may I mention one incidental thing sure speaking of flying away is that um I think Robotnik might be wearing Mario's magic cape yeah he's got a big yellow cape on and like Eggman will steal anything from anybody and I think that I just noticed his big yellow cape in this episode in a way that I haven't before because it was really featured in a shot. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would like to do... I want to keep our eyes open for signs that Robotnik has murdered Mario. Do you think... <laughs> do you think if he were in Smash Brothers? Yeah. Ooh. We, so if you were to make a Robotnik Smash Brothers character, would he be a DDD clone or would he be just like a Mario clone? Like a bigger... <laughs> um, Rocket boots lol. letting him jump. See, I see. I feel like he mechanically he he might be somewhere between Mario and Solid Snake, right? Because he'd use mm-hmm. a lot of devices. Yeah, that's he true. He sends out the missiles and the and the drones and and the and the rats, right? Yeah. Obviously, he'd send Cluck forward to do something. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but I think okay, so he'd have like the weight and movement of DDD. You know what? I the, bet he would mm-hmm. work like Baby Bowser, like Bowser Junior. in the most recent Smash Brothers game. I bet he would work kind of like that. Oh, okay. Bowser sure. Jr. has like, he like drops a little toy that goes forward. Yeah. He's got like drills. He's like rolling around in this okay. little machine. It would be like his egg, his egg thing. Oh, okay. You could really make you could just re-skin a Bowser Jr. Babe. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I would like that. That would be so good. Yeah. Hit us with that download. That would be a great mod. Ready to mod. play that. Oh uh, gosh, that would be such a good mod. mod. Um. There is a line in this episode where Sally goes, one day you'll learn that speed is no substitute for common sense. Yes. Very And then good. later... He gets told, you know, use your brain, not speed. Yes. So this was obviously meant to be a through line. Yeah. But then the common sense was drop a bomb on the ground. Drop a bomb on the ground and then when people get close to it, blow it up. <laughs> yeah. Common sense. Common sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what Thomas, Thomas Paine said. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think this show is doing a very good job of articulating its premises 
or its morals. No. Anytime it's tried to be a little deeper or to connect a thread across the show, an episode, it's not really working. It's like excavating. It's like you really have to like the like unless you were doing what we are doing. Yeah. There's it's almost impossible to see what what's, even, what they're trying to what do. What even happened? Where what happened to Nicole? Where where's what's the through line between Nicole malfunctioning? Uh-huh. You know, Eggman trying to steal a magic crystal, this ancient wizard waking up, Sonic having his power stripped, the talking Guardian about common sense, the Guardian. was just like a waste of time. I was thinking halfway through the episode, we were at like a minute 11. Yeah. And then Sonic gets his uh, abilities taken away. Yeah. And I was like, this should have been the first scene. Like right. the first scene should have been, Sonic, I've taken your speed. Yes. That's what I'm saying is that like the last few episodes, just from like a narrative structural perspective, this show starts things it doesn't finish and has right. no intention of finishing. And it seems like it feels like the drafting process and working toward the point of the episode is happening uh-huh. as it goes. Sonic Underground also covers a lot of ground. We talked yes. about how that show would change what it was doing very, very quickly or many times over the course of an episode, but yes. it seemed to flow more naturally. It seemed to be moving forward and not just adding detail. Right. Or or more like encapsulated segments where it's like, oh wow, now we're over here. But we but we've had enough of a resolution on the earlier thing that you're not there's something where you're watching something like this where you're waiting for something to come back almost. Uh-huh. You're, you're the the uh cinema is the accumulation of images mm-hmm. and the narrative emerges in that accumulation. Mm-hmm. So when you're given when you're shown this is the like don't show people things that don't matter yeah. sort of which may or may not be the right thing or that you can show things that matter that don't necessarily make sense linearly but do add up to something interesting yeah. which is what happened with the the light bulb in this yes. episode, right? That made one of those connections for us that because was like, they just oh. casually mentioned the water wheel at the beginning. Right. But then focusing on the light bulb was like uh, such a smart move for the show. Yes. And so it's And I guess part of this is, like, media has overall, in a general move forward of time, as as our lives have crawled forward slowly. (laughs) Yeah. In general, people have gotten better at writing in this way. Right. Not necessarily better at writing, Mm. but better at crafting the formula that is, like, a solid-to-follow story. Sure. And so uh, it is easy to feel, when I'm looking back at old stuff like this, it's easy to feel kind of spoiled by, like, modern television, which is all made by people who have, like, learned these formulas, which were laid out by people who were, like, making TV and film. Right, right. You know, which, again... Wondering forward in a certain way. And is not a very old medium. No. So, like, a lot of the... Stuff that we are just now getting good at, and like a lot of when people talk about like being in a golden age of TV, or right. like, be, like why is it that everything that comes out almost like there's like an there's like a sixty or seventy percent hit rate of it like feels compelling. Everything's right? compelling yeah. and good, and it's because we're as a society, I think we're learning how to do this better. And not to say that twenty years ago they could not have done this better because they absolutely could have. Well, sure, but most kids' cartoons were about this level for a while. And this was like cutting edge technology, maybe not high budget, but it yes. was the best that could be done. And I also think any creator trying to make a story for kids that was meaningful yeah. was fighting against you know, decades of of knowledge and like built yeah. up uh, belief that kids were not interested in that. Right. That kids wanted to see action sequences that were just like silly and weird. They want to hear Sonic and all of his friends making nonsensical quips and saying things that don't make any sense. Right, exactly. Because it's like, oh, these are trademarkable phrases. Just this like this sense of children as being randomized like laugh constructs. Right, you like, just need just... to distract them with as much exactly. as you can. But but 
you can feel the creators of the show, just like with Underground, mm-hmm. I think more with Underground, because yeah. maybe Underground was given a little more leeway, but mm-hmm. with, uh, this one really... I feel like especially with this episode, all of a sudden, with all these little touches, like the, like be like being able to tell that this writer liked Cluck, yeah, and like was thinking about Cluck, and seeing this like the seeds of a more complicated world, yes, being placed here, yeah, and then ending with an actual like actual symbolism, like yeah, real actual symbolism, really solidly made, yeah, showed that someone is trying. Someone was like not given a lot of time, right? They were not given a lot of time, and they were not given a very big budget, right? And it was probably like one of the animators was also writing it, sure, but like they were trying to find I something mean, meaningful and serious in there, yeah. and it like it's weird. It's weird. It almost feels like not exactly invasive. I've been thinking. I was thinking about it. When we watched this episode. Yeah, it feels excavatory. It mm-hmm. feels like we are doing something that we're like almost not supposed to be doing by uh-uh. digging into this. Like <laughs> that. Like somebody did. Somebody was doing a rough draft and they made this, and somebody was trying to make something. But it feels like we're looking at the notes of someone who would go on yeah. to make something like incredible and weird. Right. We're going. We're going deeper on an on a an unfinished product almost is what it feels like. Yeah. And not in a way that is condescending. I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that hurtfully or whatever. Absolutely. But just that, like yeah. you can understand the constraints and that it occurs to me that this show, in the way that like movie tie-in video games mm-hmm. tend to be rushed and they're made by somebody who's given like three months and fifty thousand dollars to make a whole video game that yeah. looks like the movie in some way yeah. <laughs> and those always turn out real weird generally yeah. and especially in the 90s that was like rush jobs all over the place mm-hmm. this show almost feels like it's the tie-in show to a video game right that was popular at that moment that exact second and they had to like what do you do with a cartoon i'm sure if you if you had only ever played the original Sonic the Hedgehog video game, yeah. and you, there was like, make a TV show, you'd be like, what on earth am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> yeah. That would be an extremely difficult job. Yeah. Uh, and obviously made under time constraints or whatever. So it's interesting stuff, and there is good stuff in it, but it's it is it's kind of all over the place. And also probably the realization that you have the chance to shape what happens in the games. Yeah. Like, you have the chance to create characters that people will get attached to. A lot and- of pressure. Like yeah. maybe exciting, but also this like, oh God, what what do we do with this? And to introduce all these other characters mm-hmm. and just building out this universe from a very thin layer of story, yeah, um, is a big job. And they're doing, you know, it's interesting. It's really cool. One other thing I have on my mind mm-hmm. is the idea of control mm-hmm. and bringing back to this story's origin as a video game, right? And to see Robotnik. Gain access to a vast array of powers. And mm-hmm. the thing he does is take control away from his enemies. Yeah. And then in a video game, the most frustrating thing that can happen is for control to be taken away from you. And that's what happens in the game. We talked about it when we talked about Sonic the Hedgehog 1. Yeah. We talked about how the game builds on itself to where it gets more and more specific about what you're allowed to be doing. Yeah, like, more and more constrained. Act like the like the even though you have all this room to move around, everything gets tougher and the movements you make have to be more and more specific to the final boss being that you have to be barely moving yes, exactly. to defeat him. Right. You have to be paying very close attention and barely move and just hammer away with these two or three movements over and over for yeah. ages Yes, and, and ostensibly losing the game there and having to go all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, over and over and over, th- that is what Robotnik's trying to do and it is like... Yes. 
it's very very interesting to see you're right that tie is really interesting and and in in video games you watch you watch people play games the most frustrated they ever get is when they have to stop moving right um in general like it's bad when the game stops it's bad when it stops accepting your inputs this I, is why there was the big push a while back to have the like walk and talk dialogue in triple a games bingo like right. in which the first one i remember finding it very very funny was assassin's creed one uh-huh. i don't know if that was where it started but it makes me think that that was one of the first times where you're always allowed to move during conversations yes. because i remember vividly like goofing off while you were talking to your really important exactly like, because yeah. you can't bear to stop moving it's, yeah. it it hurts to to wrest control away from someone and in i noticed it in mario kart for the first time right like mm. in the old game when you go off the track the, the, it's bad because you did you did wrong. Yeah, you and, did it bad. But it's really frustrating because for four seconds you cannot move. Yeah. Your buttons are meaningless. And that's the that's the pun that's the real that's punishment the pun- yes. in uh in first person shooters too. Yeah. And like we've been playing a lot of Splatoon. Yep. Like they even make it very short, but the the actual punishment for failing uh-huh. is sometimes it's points going down. But the real punishment in the game is you can't do anything for like 10 seconds. You have to sit there. And Splatoon is really bad in that you you, you immediately bring up a map, right? Yeah. You're like, and it's, it's just this like agency and movement is the thing in a mm-hmm. video game. It is the main thing in an action-oriented video game. And so to you bring up a map and then you press the button to teleport to the next person. It doesn't do anything. Oh my God. First. Oh my God. Okay. So I was going to say, <laughs> worst thing Splatoon does, you should be able to click someone while you're dead, have it lock on, go out of the map, and it'll just do that when you wake that's up. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's one of the most annoying parts of yes. Splatoon. And that's what I'm saying, because your buttons don't matter. So when it tells you, oh, doesn't matter what you push, it doesn't matter. You don't matter right now. You are not allowed to exert your agency. It's infuriating. And it would just like it would just oh, it would just work so nice to click it and then go back and be ready up and be ready. Right. And this is the fundamental like uh, and I don't want to get it too big. I just wanted to note that and note that the like removal of control is the main metaphor for Sonic's evil. Yeah, and it is the main um, dri- is the driving force in fascism. It is not just removing control, but translate transmitting control over you to me instead. I tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. I make the decisions. Yeah. you lose power and agency. Not only do you get to not do it, but but you are being like I make you do something else. Right, and Which that's is what Robotnik's doing in the last scene of the first game. Exactly, like he is making you do a completely different thing from running. Almost entirely trapped you in one of his machines. Yeah, even to defeat to get, him. Yeah, it is like b- b- the game designer saying like you have to do these moments these movements exactly exactly the whole rest of the game you've been given options on how to complete levels right in this moment it's like no you have to no. do exactly this and that's all do exactly what i say which makes and, it yeah which makes it interesting like there's been a big push in video games lately right to make it so that everything is always variable and that you're always able to to approach any uh, challenge in a variety of different ways sure yeah this is like any playthrough you see of this boss fight is going to look almost exactly the same. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, they, people can be maybe a little bit better at it, right. but because you have to do basically a perfect job yeah. to succeed, yep. ultimately, all of them are going to look about the same. Yeah. yeah. And that is bad. Generally speaking, yeah. In a mm-hmm. general sense, mm-hmm. but thematically for that game and in line with what we now know is Eggman's whole deal, yeah. actually works very well in a thematic sense, yep. maybe not in a gameplay one. And then I do also want to connect that to why Sonic generates so many personal characters. Why do people feel a need to exert their personality so strongly within the Sonic world? Mm-hmm. And I think there's this connection of like, 
loss of control, loss of identity, being roboticized, being controlled, mm-hmm. like the the fascist overtones of Sonic's enemies require an exertion of your personality back yes. on them. That's awesome because Sonic, <laughs> Son- yes, yeah, Sonic is a Sonic is personality. Yep, like obviously that was what made him a big deal early on. But even in the metaphor of the game, Sonic is attitude. He's personality. Yes. He is uniqueness. Just raw. Raw style, and even even during the show, he never stops just like saying, "Yeah, total nonsense." <laughs> yeah. and it's like it doesn't mean anything. And half of what he says, he's just like finding something that rhymes. Yes, like exactly. she says, "Are you ready?" And he goes, "Ready and steady." And it's like that doesn't mean anything, right? Like you're not saying anything at all, but you're just being you in yeah. this completely unfiltered way, like <laughs> yeah. which is something that like I think that you and I do sometimes. This like silly like connection of stuff, uh-huh, uh-huh. and just this like nonsense. Garbage spewing forth from his mouth (laughs) is like inviting the people around him and by extension the player to be more them. And so it makes sense that you would, in this world where Sonic is the is personality, your personality would want to hang out with that. Uh Like you would want to not necessarily emulate him, right? But it's not just he is not the perfect thing to defeat Robotnik. He is just. The perfect amount of he person contains the energy necessary to fight back, and in a certain way, his like his, his the distinct nature of him makes people go, "Well, I don't want to be him exactly." Yeah, like, it's cool that he's him, but I'm me. He's too I'm him a for you to be him. I'm a different animal than that, right? Like I'm a different person than that, but I admire in him. His fashion, his style, his personality, his the force of his character. Even, even in the first game, he's not you, right? Because he gets mad at you. He looks at you. <laughs> he looks at you and says, "Why are you doing it wrong?" If you stop again, if you stop moving, if you stop exercising your agency, he turns to you in a like in a second and taps his foot and goes, "What are you doing?" Well, yeah. Whereas Mario is at least originally, and right. maybe some of that has changed, is he, inviting you to be him. He's he's a blank. Like he he has no interaction with you as the player, but Sonic from the beginning <laughs> refuses you. He refuses you. Yes, which then means that if you want to exist alongside him, you have to make yourself fit in that world. He immediately categorizes you are you are fourth walled. Yeah, immediately as like you're somebody else. Uh huh. You're telling me what to do, but you're not me. Oh my god! Wow. Which is why that that which is maybe the thing that built the seeds for this entire like. Who knows? But it right. seems like a, a piece of what built the like OC culture this around is, Sonic the Hedgehog. These are all ingredients, but th- I, I, this is something I've been tr- tr- listening to so hard and trying to understand. Yeah, and and uh, this this is this is all valid in uh, in my reading. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this I, is good stuff. Because <laughs> we've talked about how he others you, but the fact that he, if you want to exist in his world, you cannot be him is so <laughs> interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah, dude. Uh, okay. okay, well. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, thanks to our music people, Dave Donkin and Goodnight Productions. Thanks yes. to Bulby for the incidental music and the composers of the sonic music of, of all time. Check out Every Day's Great if you get a chance. That's our other podcast, which is an experimental Let's Play about Persona. It's updating bi-weekly. It's really easy to keep track it's of now. It's real great, and we're having some deep insights over there, too. It's been Y'all super, were super cracking fun. the codes. <laughs> Uh, and if you guys don't mind, if you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do that. It really, yeah. really helps to have some reviews on there. Tell somebody else about the show. Mm-hmm. We, we get it. a few new people every week that are listening, and we love that. And, yeah. and people seem to uh, get a kick out of this. And we, we, we love doing it, and we love you guys. It is so, so fun to see, because it really does happen that when one of you guys says to someone, yeah. like, 
hey, you guys should check out this show. They do. And often those people a few weeks later are the yeah. ones tweeting at us. Yeah. And it's like super cool and really neat to see. So please keep doing that. Thanks, like, y'all. Please spread that word of mouth. Because we are solving the Sonic world. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking the code. Getting um, the um, what do we? What else do we need to do? Uh, I don't know. I think that, that might be. I think that might be. Everything. We just wrapped up real tight. This is. Woo! We got. I got the fire today. We did a great job. I'm Caleb Zane Hewitt. I'm Nick Splendor. And you're two shows. Your two shows. <laughs>